Welcome, dance lovers, to Ask a Dancer with Stacey Morgan. Hello and welcome to Ask a Dancer, the podcast inspiring young dancers into careers in the performing arts. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm the Principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts, a dance school on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. And joining me today is my lifelong idol, ex-principal dancer with the Australian Ballet and the Australian Ballet's longest serving female principal dancer, Lucinda Dunn. Welcome, Lucinda. Hello, Stacey. So good to see you here. We're at the Victorian Dance Festival. You're going to be teaching a class in a, in a few minutes that is going to try and break a world record, which is very exciting. But I thought I'd steal you for Ask a Dancer because, of course, you're someone I've always wanted to interview, having watched your career over the years. Let's start off with how you started dancing and how you, you know, what influenced you to get into the world of dance. Yes, okay. Um, I began ballet... A little bit after I started tap. tap, tap and jazz was around the age of three and ballet came soon after. My mum was an entertainer on the West End of London, a singer, dance, actress, and my father was also in the theatre as well, so I suppose I have well-heeled um, genes. Um, and I was just at a local ballet school up until um, I was about 13 when another school merged. Um, it was Janice Graham and then merged with Tanya Pearson. And I trained with Tanya Pearson for a couple of years and then went on an international ballet um, tour about the age of 15 and had all these wonderful um, experiences in Europe. Um, I was too young to enter the Genet competition at that time, however I did enter the Prix de Lausanne. Um, and at that point I was the only Australian to enter the finals or to get to the finals um, and I was awarded a scholarship from that competition completely out of the blue didn't even know what the Prix was didn't even know the, uh, I hadn't researched any ballet schools this is a very very long time ago when, <laughs> without the internet and without any tools to look up and research at all um, but I was lucky enough that I was offered a year scholarship and I decided to take it up in London at the Royal Ballet School my parents are English and I luckily had grandparents living in London so at 15, I packed up with my mother and my brother. I must say I wasn't alone. I was about four foot, <laughs> very young and inexperienced and immature and wide-eyed, and off I went to the Royal Ballet School. Um, after my first term at the Royal Ballet School, though, I was diagnosed with a stress fracture in my spine, which could have been debilitating and I could have been sent home, but I decided to stay. I was encased in a plaster cast from my hip bones to my armpits. Um, and that was for 12 weeks and three hours. So <laughs> that was fairly traumatic as a, as a young um, teenager. I can imagine. It wanting sounds. to be at the Royal Ballet School and I couldn't dance a step. Yeah. I had to be encased literally so that I you know, wouldn't move and, and further injure. Um, but I learnt a lot. I watched a lot of classes. I spent a lot of time in physio. Um, and luckily the school did invite me back for a second year um, of which I graduated. Upon graduating, I was offered a contract with the Birmingham Royal Ballet um, and also the Australian Ballet. And I spent a long time deliberating um, where my best option would be, um, how lucky I was to have two, you know, two choices to make to start my career. It's funny, I always wanted to, to be in musicals to begin. I wanted to follow my mother's footsteps. Um, so I was a very good all-round student. I loved doing tap, I loved doing jazz, I loved doing modern. Um, and I wasn't an honours ballet student my whole RAD life. Um, so early on, I, I was, you know, just a little bit under. Just That's really interesting um, because there, I'm sure there's lots of dancers that are listening that that perhaps they're not the person in the class that always gets the highest mark, but it's still possible to be able to go on if you have the passion and the drive, which you obviously have, the drive to be able to sit and watch your classmates do class for 12 weeks and three hours when you can't move a muscle on the other side of the world. That must have been incredible. 
yeah, I suppose it was a lot of mental um, toughness with, with coming with that. But they always say in hindsight you get stronger and you learn more, and you do, <laughs> but it's just difficult when you're in that moment. To yeah. Think there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. and. Um, but I'm, I'm so lucky I had no repercussions through my um, long career of, of any serious back problems that had, had come back. So it was obviously the right treatment for me, as, as yeah. terrible as it, and as um, obviously debilitating it was at the time. Um, I'm, I'm glad now that in hindsight that I wasn't allowed to move because I did try and do my exercises and stuff. But <laughs> at that young age, I just wanted to keep going and, and try to improve, but I had to let my body heal. Yep. And so the choice came up, Birmingham or Australia, and of course you chose Australia and came home. That's pretty much what I said to mum after a month of deliberating and being in and out of the director's um, office at the Royal Ballet School. I picked up the phone, I think it was 3am Sydney time, and just said, mum, I'm coming home. You know, so she was rather yeah. thrilled. <laughs> um, and I haven't looked back, actually. I had a, a marvellous career with the Australian Ballet. I toured internationally. I danced almost every ballet that I could possibly have wanted to. I had beautiful partners. Um, and I was really lucky physically that my body held out for, for that long. But it's coming up nearly nearly exactly three years since I stepped off stage. Oh, wow. So what's that transition been like going from that professional career where you are doing class every day and you're obviously always, always being watched by directors and chosen for different ballets and then stepping completely away from the stage? Um, it's been easier than I had imagined. I mean, a lot of dancers that do leave the stage, they go into this void and this space of not knowing who they are. I was really fortunate that I had a job to transition to. Um, the artistic director job from Tanya Pearson's academy was known to me even before I retired. So I didn't have that moment of, okay, what do I do in my life now? Plus I had two young children um, <laughs> and my husband to, to keep me sane. Yeah. Um, so I suppose for me, for me coming off stage, there was a, a sadness, obviously, because that was my life. And um, but it was also a sense of relief that after 23 years, I didn't have to be at peak performance. I didn't have to push my body when I was worried. Could I get through another class? Yeah. I didn't have to work through pain when it was painful. Um, but but I'll always miss elements of it. Um, but there are parts that I, I definitely don't miss at all. But I'm in the studio every day in my leotard and my tights, and I'm doing as much demonstrating as I think I can possibly do. I think it's fantastic for the students to be able to emulate um, visually. Oh, of course. As you know, dancing, you can't just learn it from a book and you can't just write stuff down. I mean, I, I encourage my students to write notes. But to physically get up and do it and demonstrate while I still can is one of my assets, I believe, as a teacher. Wonderful. So what does your teaching world look like? Who are you teaching and, and how many hours a day? And what are the? It must be so wonderful to be um, going back to your roots, back to where you trained yes. and being able to, to inspire the next generation. Yes, that's right. I am the Artistic Director of Tony Pearson's Classical Coaching Academy in Sydney. Um, it encompasses a full-time program and the part-time school, which from the, the three-year-olds all the way up to advanced to um, in the evenings or the afternoon evenings. My main, um, I suppose, people I look after at the moment is the full-time course, yeah. um, of which I have, I think, 33, 35 this year. Um, and these are all aspiring dancers to be in a professional dance world, most of them to be in a ballet company, um, but some others want the best possible classical ballet training that we can give them and then take that further into other dance um, professions. 
So I teach every single morning. I'm in the studio with my students every day. I turn up with a smile every day. Good morning, let's go. Let's work as hard as we can. Yep. Um, I want to instill a work ethic for the students that they work as hard for themselves that I work as hard for them. Yes. Um, I can only push so much and then they have to come with me on the journey. Absolutely. And, And if I can get that into them now, that they've got to really find what it is that they're looking for. Um, you know, if they are lucky enough to have a professional career, they're not waiting for a teacher, a coach, a choreographer. They've got a silver it in them. platter. <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got they've got it in them to, to be their best and to be fulfilled as much as they possibly can and self satisfied um, with where they're at and what they're doing and how the improvements are made. Also, do a lot of coaching um, on variations and private coaching with students. Um, but, you know, I teach ballet class, point classes, repertoire classes. So I'm very much imparting everything, pretty much, I know. <laughs> um, but I've always said to my students, I only know my, da- my body as a dancer, so I'm working with other bodies and facilities and some disadvantages of, of other bodies and trying to work through to get the best out of them and also motivate artistically. You know, how, how can they feel the dance rather than just being looking in the mirror and trying to do a perfect tondu? Yeah. That's incredible. What a, a, a gift for those students to be able to be trained by you. Thank you. Five mornings a, five yes. mornings a week. Yes. It's, um, the podcast is for those aspiring dancers who want a career. What are some attributes that you think um, are important for a dancer who wants to have a career in the performing arts to have? Performing arts and classical ballet, I would have to say, are two completely different streams, um, which sounds really, really obvious, but a lot of dancers won't ever have a career as a classical ballet dancer. Some of the attributes, obviously the first one is physicality. You can have all the desire and the passion in the world, but if you're four foot and a little bit more like a weightlifter than you are a ballet dancer, you're never probably gonna have a, a director of a ballet company interested in you. Aesthetics is the most important thing, the first thing that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everyone's aesthetic, is different and everyone's choice of aesthetics is different. What you see is the perfect ballet body might be a little bit different to my idea. So aesthetics has to be on your side for sure. Um, you've got to have half um, mental and physical is, is equal to me for me. Yes. Mentally you have to be so strong to turn up every day and face yourself in front of a mirror mm-hmm. and do a ballet class or a full day, whatever it is. And physically you've got to be strong within yourself that you can keep pushing and improving. Um, you've got to be ready to um, and open to get information, to take the information that you've been given. It's hard sometimes as a teacher, as a director, as a coach, because you're looking for negatives to improve the person. And I find I like to be positive in my approach, but also then say, but hey, let's let's work on you know the foot line. Um, yep. Let's work on lengthening the legs. But you're doing you know this is really nice on you. Um, so that's they're the other things that you you can't be shut off even if you don't like that. Um, teacher, we don't like the pianist for the day. It's all about <laughs> challenge, and it's all about being challenged and challenging yourself. Yeah, I have been so blessed to be able to watch your career go um, through the years, and you've always been an inspiration to me. And I think that is a lot because that mental strength and that physical strength always went hand in hand with you throughout your career. You saw many different um, artistic directors and many different pieces of repertoire go through, but you 
always was someone that I could look up to because of that strong work ethic and it's so lovely that you're now passing that on to the next generation of dancers who perhaps don't get that all the time where they're from because they are a different generation coming through so thank you for passing that on to the next generation and continuing to inspire young dancers. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Ask a Dancer. We are on iTunes so please make sure you subscribe to us when you can and share the podcast with friends and family. That's how we get the word of the podcast out um, to the great big wide world. We are live at the Victorian Dance Festival and we'll continue to bring you some interviews with fabulous dancers and choreographers. None as special as with Lucinda Dunn of course <laughs> being my idol but it's been so lovely to have you here and thank you so much for listening to Ask a Dancer. Thanks for listening to Ask a Dancer with Stacey Morgan. Get in touch with us at WPMPA.co or at Dance Q&A on Twitter.